From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau file reports, make recommendations, and generally try to improve things in our city as we survive on a bed of dot matrix printer paper in the back room of the sub-basement. One day, maybe we'll escape from this room, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. The city is now in session. The city is meeting. And the city. City's, city's happening. Finally. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we're in session. We are. All right. You, Should we... me, everybody, it, it's all happening now. Should we do attendance? We can, we can. Um, if you think such a thing is is required, uh, I came look. unprepared with banter today. I came, I came unprepared with everything today. Oh no! Uh, yeah, but uh, so I'm gonna, just, I'm just gonna say that you're Paul Deshen because I hear you are. Uh, yes, I am. Okay, good, good, good. And I'm going to, uh, I might as well say that I'm Aiden Morgan because that's that's what everybody tells me. Yeah, you are. Right on. Do we have quorum? We do not, but we can still have a meeting. We can. Let's because let's it's in the schedule. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Anywho, hey, we've got a guest. We do. Yes, a uh, an official improvement vector from a, a ways back and a Regina oh, wow. expat uh, to Hello. points east. David Fraser. Hey, David. Hey, thanks for having me again. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. We've got you on here because you are now living in Ottawa, Ontario. So, David, what the f- is going on <laughs> in Ottawa, Ontario? Oh, it's um. I was talking. This is something that I hope people from Saskatchewan will will understand because I was talking to a friend from from back in Regina about it, and I said it's like the environment is kind of like the Craven Country Jamboree, but instead of people who have interests in mostly country music it's mostly politics uh but like in terms of drunk bro dudes walking around uh it's kind of the same vibe or at least it was for a few days there um examples of things i live right downtown too just for like context i'm I'm sort of like pretty close to the and just for context of like some stuff that happened the first day people were here somebody protesters walked by and a dog on our lawn and they just kept walking it's not cool uh we have a parking lot across the street from us that people were just using to park in but then it sort of turned into a uh a an area for people to barbecue in to take leaks in um so we just you know it's normally where i sit and like drink my coffee and, and read and write and instead, it was like, I'll just watch a bunch of dudes taking pisses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there was like, you know, all sorts of stuff just down the block from me still. The street is entirely blocked. Uh, so just getting in and out of places is is entirely different. You can still sort of move about the city, especially as a, as a pedestrian. But if you're if you're in a vehicle, you kind of have to change your your routes a little bit. Um and sort of like finagle your way in and out, but yeah, it's 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 a total show. I could I could go on and on about it, but I'll I'll fire it back to you guys. We we are curious about the show. 
How's the noise? Because I mean, one of the things we're hearing about is just the, the constant din and uh, keeping people awake. Yeah. So starting from the the original Friday that they all showed up here, it was brutal. It was it was like you know the the news reports were saying it was constant honking. Um, you know, it would stop late at night after midnight, but it was starting up again usually around like seven or so in the morning. Um, and then since the injunction last night, it's really, really quieted down. Uh, and, and in the last week, I'll say, um, since the weekend, the mood has really shifted. I was going down every day, uh, to the protests while I walk, uh, Wellington. And as I said, the mood has been pretty jovial. Uh, it's people are, you know, smiles on their faces, yelling freedom, I noticed a thing actually. I when I was down there one day, I don't know. Some folks who are listening, or maybe maybe you two will have a thought on this. But you go to protests, and and I've been to a lot of protests over the years that are you know initiated by the left, whether it's you know Occupy or I don't know more or whatever it may be. And uh, especially when you're in a city like Regina, you recognize a lot of the faces because it's a lot of the same faces that are turning up at those things. And geez. A lot of them are really hardened, you know, like you can tell that they've tried to change the world and and have only done a little bit of it uh, years over years. And not to take anything away from that, because, you know, it's admirable to to keep, you know, fighting for stuff you believe in. But these guys that are protesting in Ottawa here, it's kind of funny because you can tell it's their first protest. They have so much glee in their face. And it's like when you... It's like when you show up at the University of Regina and the Ursu the decides to do their first big protest and all the, the freshmen are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to change the world. And it's like, no, <laughs> just do this like three, four more times and you'll figure it out. It's not quite that easy. But uh, a lot of the protesters here, they have that like glee. Uh, but even over one week now, you can see like their numbers are dwindling a little bit. You know, they're still like jovial spirits, more or less. But uh you can tell that standing around drinking beer in the cold uh, for a week is starting to wear on some of them. Right. Yeah. Is the mood change, is it a sour mood change or a depressed mood change? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't even know if it's fair to like, I don't even know if it's either. It's more just, more just subdued. I think is, is the the way, I mean, I, I went down there tonight. I was, I was walking through the protests and, the numbers are smaller, but they, you know, they still have music that's blaring. People are standing around listening to it and yet chanting freedom. So, um, you know, there's definitely some, some people here who are very much still in it. Uh, I think just in terms of like the numbers seem smaller now. Um, Mm. and we'll see what happens on the weekend. It's, it's Tuesday as we record now. So presumably some people have gone home for the week. Um, but just on my street, it was packed, packed with, packed with cars. It's still blocked, but now they kind of have to strategically place cars to block the intersection, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like the mass um, uh, doing it. So there's a few changes uh, in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, the other thing I was thinking about, too, is just the, the role of the police and all of this. That's been something really fascinating as a, as a citizen to watch. We've had a lot of protests in the city. You're pretty used to protests that take place in the city. And in advance of this one, I was telling friends and family who don't live here, oh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal because police do a pretty good job of, you know, courting people off to certain areas and and crowd control, maintaining it all. And it was really surprising to see on the original Friday, the trucks just 
I live on one of the streets that sort of is a, a straight flow off the highway right down to Parliament or Wellington, where, where Parliament is on. And I couldn't believe it, you know, just truck after truck, easily being able to to go in front of Parliament where they were where they were headed, and the police didn't seem to to care to stop them or or move them or or anything of the sort. Uh, as of yesterday or as of Monday, I suppose there's been a injunction, and police are supposed to be arresting people if they see them with jerry cans or walking with gas. Tonight on my walk. Uh, I counted and I got some on film because it's, it's crazy to see. It's, it's, you li- feel like you're living in a crazy land. There's packs of police officers walking down, uh, like it was 10 police officers walking down Spark Street, which surprisingly still has nobody on it. And if anybody who's been to Ottawa will know what I mean, there's never anybody on this walking street uh, of Spark Street. But one block over is where the main protest is. That's what's all shut down. That's right in front of Parliament. And there's people walking up to and, to and from this street with jerry cans and on spark street there's a whole pile of police officers just hanging out on an empty street watching them <laughs> and doing nothing uh it's 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 crazy it's uh i've had a very very many moments throughout the past week where i feel like i'm living in a, in a different universe uh i've never thought stuff like this would happen <laughs> do you think something is going on with the policing you um i you had a tweet about an encounter you had with an officer uh, early on in the uh, protest. Yeah. So one of the first days of the protest, I, I, I approached every police officer that I came across because there is a police presence. It's not like there, there aren't any down there. And uh, yeah, I got all sorts of reactions, but I tweeted out a couple of my favorites. And, and one of them was a guy telling me that he, he was basically saying that he agrees with the protesters and that he thinks Canadians are tired of, of the lockdowns. And uh, the other one... Uh, and that was an officer who said that. That was a police officer. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. police officer. And then the other one, uh, a few blocks later, sort of in jest, he, he says, as I was walking by him, he was, he was like, oh, I'm too busy eating my donut. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, go arrest somebody, man. And, <laughs> and then we kind of had like an FU match with each other with me saying most of the FUs. But uh, yeah, you know, like the, you can walk down the street and I, I do it. I say to the police, like, hey, that looks illegal. You should arrest that guy. And what I've learned, again, because as a resident, you see all these illegal activities and the police just sort of letting it happen. It's very frustrating. And I, you know, I don't know what the, what the police are doing here. And I'm not the one to say if they're doing a good job or or not. I think they're doing a bad job, but I'll leave it to the experts to do the proper evaluation of this. Um, But, you know, it, it is frustrating as a resident to see police kind of ignore people breaking the law right in front of you. It seems to me in the past few days, I think it's become apparent that perhaps the police just don't have the manpower to do it. Like they just don't, they don't have the capabilities. Um, a lot of these protesters are dressed like they're going to war, you know, like you, you see them walking around, they're dressed like they're hunters or like they're in the army. Um, and a lot of them on their social medias don't hide the fact that, you know, I'm here for the long haul, I'll do whatever it takes. They allude to having weapons. Like there's all sorts of, of like, just sort of like, crazy elements to to this uh when you go down there and when you watch some of the social channels of the truckers or or people involved in the protest so it's tough to say like what the police are doing in all of this but i will say just like as a simple resident it's been frustrating to see what they've been doing and and i would like them to do more how about your neighbors how are they holding up (laughs) um 
so that's another thing that's been um i don't know maybe like a cool thing out of a out of a bad situation is there been, there's been a decent amount of community mobilization out of this uh myself having moved to ottawa sort of just prior to when the pandemic began i haven't had a great opportunity to get to know a ton of people in my community and uh there's quite a few Facebook groups and stuff that have been formed as a result of this, uh, just sort of among neighbors and stuff. And uh, I myself am part of a group that's offering safe rides to people, uh, helping get groceries to elderly folk or, or people who just can't get out of their building or are too scared to leave their building, transporting people from appointments because they can't get in or out of their parking lot, stuff like this. And uh, those groups and uh, channels uh, of people who are involved in those efforts are busy uh having like i'm involved in that and and i can see that the group chats they're they're pretty active with people um yeah. so it's nice to see that you know like residents are are sort of pulling together it seems and, and doing the best they can uh but you can definitely see that patience is running thin uh even today on my my walk through there was a few more counter protesters than i that i saw it was rare the first few days. Like you saw maybe one or two of them. In fact, myself, I didn't see any in real life. I haven't seen any counter protesters in real life until today. Uh, I saw three of them. They were all together. Um, but prior to that, I just saw them on social media or had heard about them from other people or on, on the media. Um, so you can see a little bit more of that. Uh, you can see some more neighbors putting up like signs in their windows or, uh, I came across a really funny like letter to the people that was posted on a signpost tonight. So there's a little bit more of that stuff going. People are getting people are people are getting frustrated, but people have been frustrated the whole time. And another thing that I can say is uh, I play hockey three times a week with uh, people from all over Ottawa, not just you know cool downtown hipsters like me. Uh, people who live like way out in the burbs play hockey with me. And uh, last time I checked hockey dudes are not known to be the most you know progressive uh of people but like to a person in the dressing room at hockey they're uh wanting these people to leave want the police to take a little bit more action and uh are are supportive of me living downtown and having to go through it so i think it's uh as a whole the citizens of ottawa are like pretty sick of this uh, at least that's the vibe that i seem to be getting right so and we're on I'm, I'm curious oh sorry I was just going to do the, we're on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, and we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau, speaking with David Fraser about Ottawa. All, all those things, correct. Um, one things, uh, one of the things I was curious about, if, if, if you were to go downtown and see the protest, without context, would you know what they were looking for freedom from? I mean, aside from like a working sewage system, obviously, because uh, because I, I mean, left wing protesters tend to be able to communicate their message, but these guys just seem to shout freedom, freedom. and leave incoherent, like yeah, like Instagram messages. Right. Um, no, you wouldn't. That's a really great. That's a really great question, and no, you wouldn't because it is mostly freedom you it's mostly freedom as what they're on about here there without doubt there's some there's some signs that say you know end the lockdowns or no more mandates or uh there's a pretty prominent one that says something about justin trudeau being in bed with pfizer uh so there are you know some some clear messages uh but they're they're scattered and the overarching message is is freedom um so that's i think freedom 
Is, that's what they're looking for. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, freedom from, but that's freedom. That's their thing. Well, I, I guess, can get behind that freedom. <laughs> I'm on board already. Yeah. Excuse me, I have to go pee in a parking lot. In, in <laughs> the other thing that I was just like, I was sort of pondering and, and shooting the shit with some friends about the other day is uh, the amount that some of these protesters feel emboldened by the dear leader of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, and, and his recent oh. comments. I think it's fairly well documented that uh, Scott Moe has said um, some factual inaccuracies, I think is how they're usually described. I usually just like to call them lies. But I'm not a doctor, um, so I don't know. <laughs> but it's in any case, uh, ScoMo was obviously taking some 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 positions, some pretty significant positions uh, in terms of mandates and, and vaccines, and and it's clear that a lot of the protesters here are hearing that. Uh, I, I spoke with a group of them who loved ScoMo. Uh, they were super excited. Uh, they they thought everybody should sort of be following the suit of ScoMo. Um, and I think it's it's interesting, and I'm pretty sure that Scott Moe is aware of that and seems to be double downing on it. Um, to me, I mean, I realized a few years ago when he took over the Saskatchewan party that the province was sort of taking a tick to the right, but it seems like it's taken a few more ticks to the right since then, even. And that's surprising to me. So you're um, saying that there are Scott Moe fangirls Yes. more than one yeah, yeah. oh yeah wow. well and, and oh, the other thing like to to say like i saw a former one of my former landlords from like when i lived in regina he's down here in his in his truck he, he's got a, a company he's in his company truck down here yeah. and uh like there's people from saskatchewan here all, quite a few of them there's people from manitoba here in alberta all across the country it seems um but yeah i know without a doubt there's scott has got some some stands here they know who he is and they still stand for him. He's wow. a guy. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, it's hard to believe. I, I, I would, it's probably worth saying that as, I mean, it sort of touches yeah. on what we were saying earlier. You get a whole sort of swashbuckle of people in these protests, you know, like, yeah. um, but no, without doubt there's, there's people who, who definitely feel emboldened by, by Scott Mo. Yeah. Wow. Um, just in terms of the messaging uh, that you're seeing there, from here, there's a lot of trappings of sort of MAGA that yeah. seem to keep popping up. And Q, is that really as prevalent? Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, so I, I go down every day, as I've said, and every time you go down, you'll see at least a little bit of MAGA signage. You'll see yeah. a little bit of... Uh, um, like a don't shred on me sign, for example, mm -hmm. which I, I classify as sort of like mega sign it. Um, and it's usually, I say that because it's usually a don't tread on me uh, flag. Those seems to be sort of the most popular of that ilk. Um, yeah. In terms of like Confederate flags, Nazi symbolism, very rare. Haven't seen any. I saw a Confederate flag, uh, a little sort of a, um, uh, not a license plate, but about the size of a license plate on the back of somebody's vehicle. And uh, a, so weird, like an insignificant swastika, right? Like a, <laughs> it was just tiny, so it doesn't hurt. Uh, yeah, a little swastika on the back of somebody's somebody's vehicle, and so that you know those sightings are rare. But every time you go down, you'll see a little bit of mega, mega stuff. 
for example, I usually count, like I, I keep journals and I try to do like a little bit of like sort of boots on the ground data journalism with it. And uh, it's usually about three to five a day. And again, it's usually that when I say that, it's usually like I saw three or four don't tread on me sits, uh, things hmm. and maybe a mega hat. Yeah. Right. And that's walking sort of the length of uh, Wellington all the way down uh, into the market and then up like Metcalf where they come. So it covers sort of the bulk of their protesting area. I've also heard bouncy castles. Oh, I haven't seen any bounty castles. I know where they are. I just haven't, I haven't ventured right. there. And I, I actually, you didn't, I, you didn't I, go down for a bounce. You know what? I ventured where they would have been today and I didn't actually see them. Um, but a lot of street hockey games take place. Right. They've got a few spots. I saw even tonight, there's an, another parking lot that they didn't have designated before that it looks like it's open for, for uh, street hockey. You also asked me about QAnon before, and I just wanted yeah. to say, one, I'm not super, uh, there's so many uh, QAnon signs and yeah. symbols that I'm just like not up to date on. I need to do my homework a little bit there, but there's there seems to be like a, con- a contingent of Q people here. And when you yeah. see them, you see them, you know, like they're yeah. when they're around, they're around. So uh, a few days ago, they were right in front of Rideau, uh, the mall. And they were sort of making like a decent enough scene. There was maybe 10, 15 of them. So they were they were definitely visible there. That's the only time that I'd seen any sort of symbol yeah. of, of like direct symbol of like, oh, those are the QAnon types. Have you ever attra- have you attracted any sort of uh, negative attention as a journalist on site? Nope, I have not attracted any negative attention. I will say that I haven't really gone down as like, a direct journalist uh, in the sense that like I haven't gone down there with a big microphone trying to interview anybody or anything like this. I'm going down like in my Carhartt jacket that I have and just walking down and just like talking to people, shooting the I I take photos and stuff, but no, I I haven't really been met with any negativity or or anything like this. Um, But also like, I'm a six foot one straight white guy from Saskatchewan who, you know, owns a Carhartt jacket and right. knows how to talk to to people, or at least like I can, I think I at least understand a bit of the language that they're speaking. Um, I know a lot. I, I have a lot of friends uh, who, who aren't like me and they feel really threatened to leave their house mm-hmm. right now. And right. Uh, that sucks. And to me, that's like one of the, the biggest things that's been sort of grating on me is, uh, for me, it's really like, it's, it's a nuisance for me, like having these people here, it's annoying, but like, yeah, as I say, you know, like we, I'm part of the safe walk and some of the stories of those people, it's, it's, they're being met with negativity just by the presence of these people here. Right, um, right. And, and that's, what's really, really disheartening about, about the whole thing. Can I ask what's drawing the negative attention? Is it, is it like race, sexuality? Is it just like looking like a hipster? Right. No, you know, like, I think looking like a hipster, you're actually pretty okay with because like, I, I usually dress like a hipster and I'm, I'm okay. Like, yeah. um, but no, yeah, without a doubt, like I've, I've got a few queer friends who feel really threatened, uh, yeah. a few friends who are POCs who feel really threatened. Uh, I know, I know the queer community has like really, really been struggling with this uh, from mm-hmm. the Safe Walk group that I'm a part of a lot of the people who are who are seeking assistance are members of that community which again like it just it just sucks and when when 
when I hear, you know, people talking about like, suck it up people of Ottawa or whatever it may be, or like, you know, get used to, to protests. This is different than, <laughs> than any of the other protests that we've had in the city, at least for as long as I've lived here. It's a, it's a different beast. I went to, I don't know more protests here. Uh, I went to the BLM protests when they were here um, and a few other just random protests were that when I was here, you know, you don't see any Nazi symbols. You don't see any signs of hate. Uh, you don't see anything like this and people don't feel threatened to leave their home and here people do. Uh, my, my partner didn't feel comfortable walking to her yoga class uh, three, four blocks away from her house a few nights ago. You know, sh- she ended up going, she was fine. Nobody gave her any hassle or anything, but just the fact that there's like enough of an air of tension and, and uh, that threat sort of like looms over people enough that it's, it's having a real impact for sure. When I go out, you know, when there's a protest here and I go out, like, I'm not afraid that Florence Stratton is going to, like, you know, come yeah. out and assault me. You know, I, I don't know, safe. man. <laughs> Have you ever been on Florence's bad side? I, no, I don't want to be. I really don't. <laughs> you get a rhetorical smack. Down. That's right. Yes, indeed. Uh, no, but it is like that is the thing. And, and uh, you know, just like large groups of men walking around drinking, too, you know, like mm-hmm. that is a. Uh, you know, like, again, like for me, no, that's, that's, I'm not threatened by this at all, but I can definitely see why just having like, you know, just packs of dudes hanging around trucks, drinking Bud Lights can be kind of threatening for people when they're just trying to walk from A to B or or go get groceries. So it's definitely a different kind of, kind of protest. Yeah. So if you think they're bored and patient now, just wait another week and see what happens. Yeah. 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 I'm also thinking like these guys who are walking around downtown Ottawa with open liquor. It's like, where do they think they are? Hull? Hey, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is super bizarre. You know, like the other thing too is, is I'll just say like, in, in terms of like, for me, the question of like getting threatened, the only times that I like kind of feel threatened is it's clear that if you want to fight, you can find it, you know, like there's people here who are looking for, for a fight. And, and I don't know about you two, but when I was, you know, younger, I had a group of buddies who like, liked to go out and like get in fights or like at the end of the night, they didn't mind like stirring shit up and whatever. And, uh, it seems like there's a lot of like those type of people here who it's like, they're looking around. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just spending a long, long time saying there's a city filled with toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, there's too much, too much of it in the city right now. I I bet if you went out and showed your, like, you know, your Justin Trudeau back tat, I I bet people would have a different attitude. Yeah. They seem to leave me alone when I told them I worked for the Illuminati. That seems to really, (laughs) you do notice, um, Sorry, I just keep thinking of stuff as it sort of comes up here. But uh, on the note of the journalists, there's been reports. Everybody uh, can see them online of reports being hassled and and whatnot. And I think most media companies sent out the reporters with security guards um, to watch them. But one thing that you've uh, I've observed uh, just in the last few days is when you do see journalists out there for for the major broadcasters, for example, they don't have their insignia you know like nobody's advertising to work for cdc or global these days everybody's kind of keeping it low-key um so that's again like i've never covered protests where that has to be taken into consideration um i've covered lots of protests and you've never had to think is it safe to be a journalist in this crowd right and right 
to me, like all of this sort of says says enough about the type of protest we're we're dealing with here. We are actually coming up to the end of this half. Do you, uh, are you able to stick around for a little bit? Or if you guys like me to, yeah, sure, whatever works. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, because I've still got a few more questions for you. For sure. Yeah. So, no. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, switch to the innovative revenue tools. Right on. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Okay, we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. And as always, those are probably the best innovative revenue tools I've heard since, since the beginning of our, of our show. Um, so we are still here with David Fraser, who is in Ottawa, a Regina transplant to that city. One of the things that I have noticed recently, it's been going on for a while, but um, it just kind of struck me in the last week as I was paying attention to the news coming out of Ottawa, is that a lot of Regina media types have migrated to Ottawa. Yeah. So uh, Stephanie is there. Uh, David Baxter is there. You're there. Uh, Arthur's I, there. Marco Vigliotti is there. Like I'm just a very have... magnetic personality. I think yeah. I was the first one, and then they all came. No, I I don't know what that is all about. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I'm super happy because there a bunch of them are good friends. But Steph Taylor is at Canadian Press. Dave Baxter is with Global News. He's here. Chris uh, Najakute came here. Oh, uh, from CTV. Um, We've got a whole crew here. Arthur White Crummy from the Leader Post. Uh, yeah, he's relocated here. Yeah, we've got a whole little contingent. Uh, actually, while we're just talking up Regina and Saskatchewan and Ottawa, I'll give a shout out to Sarah Ritchie, University of Regina School of Journalism graduate, just became a parliamentary reporter for the Canadian Press. Uh, so she'll oh, be wow. joining our little oh, awesome. our little Ottawa crew. She's been out on the East Coast for a few years, but uh, somebody with connections to Sask who's, you know, kicking ass and taking names in Ottawa now. So we're, we're looking forward to having her join our, our little Prairie press crew that we have here. Right on. Do you guys get together and drink pill? And I was literally with Stefan Baxter, like right before I came to this. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Like I met it. I went and uh, I walked over and met Steph uh, at the CP offices. And then we walked through the the crowd to the Byward market and drank a beer there. Baxter came and met us. Yeah. We, we still hang out as, as much as we can yeah we That's one awesome. of the first things i noticed was uh the ottawa press corps is great like there's a lot of really talented journalists and cool people but um you know they're there's they're not all from the prairies and i noticed that the prairie press corps has a particular talent for for crushing pilsners <laughs> and so i've been very very uh happy to have a few more join the gang in the past few months here yeah. and you know i don't know who you're working for what are you doing there Hey, great question. I, uh, <laughs> ooh, where am I working for? <laughs> I, uh, I'm doing work with CBC Ottawa now. I nice. actually am, uh, just starting doing this work. I was, uh, I'd been working for the Western producer. They right. sort of scooped me up right when I got to Ottawa. So I'd been working for them for the last two years, um, just doing like parliamentary type coverage for them. And then I was sort of missing the daily news grind. So I left that work and then getting going with CBC. Uh, CBC Ottawa here. Yeah. Nice. You missed the daily grind. I missed the daily grind. Yeah. Figure out of it for, you know, the Western producer was, was so great. It was a cool opportunity and writing for a, a weekly is like a totally different experience, but yeah, I, I miss sort of getting in the grind. Um, 
and you know just sort of covering day-to-day news type stuff i like covering more sort of political economy like i was doing in saskatchewan so i'm hoping to do a little bit more of that and, and get back into what i think is a little bit more of my bread and butter now awesome yeah yeah doing some current affairs producing and uh, web writing all sorts of fun stuff so nice. i'm really looking forward to it yeah oh that's exciting that's really yeah, congratulations yeah, yeah thanks you had mentioned something about how you'd been, uh, and this was again on your social media, so sorry to ambush you with this, but you'd yeah. mentioned that you were looking into some of the uh, companies that uh, have trucks at the uh, protests. Anything to report on that front yet? Or <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I literally heard back from one company. Uh, so just, I'll just, I, I'll, uh, I'll pull it up cause I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but I went down to the, I'll say what I did. Uh, when I was down there one day, this is what I do. Like when I'm not working proper for journalism, I just like do journalism for fun. So I'm just like out there thinking, Oh, this is a cool idea. And, uh, so I started, I, I took pictures of a bunch of the trucks and started identifying them. 66 trucks. I, I identified, uh, by by company and then about 25 about 25 percent of those i were able to find out they were companies that had received money covid relief money from the federal government and then 15 percent of the 66 were like small independent mom and pop shop uh type type companies so i thought that was cool i tweeted it out other people seemed to think it was cool because the tweet got a decent amount of action and then I was like, I'll contact all these companies. I did. I contacted all 66 of those companies. But this has actually grown. It's Speaking of community efforts, that's another community effort. Uh, a lot of people sort of crowdsourced it. So we've got a, a spreadsheet of all the companies and stuff uh, that are involved that I think sort of legal folks are, are using more so now. Uh, but anyways, I contacted all the companies. I heard back from one and it was... Uh, the guy was very supportive. I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a Quebec-based company. And the guy was very supportive. He was like, yes, we know our truck is there. We love the protest. And that was that. So I'm still waiting to hear back from the other companies. Right. Yeah. There's been this, this discourse is growing about this notion that if you have an, a, a work vehicle at a protest like this, that you're, you go into this like insurance limbo. And that it, there could be a liability issue for these companies. Is, is there anything to that, do you think? Yeah, I haven't done any reporting myself on that. But there is a pretty interesting thread on Twitter that uh, like an insurance expert put on there that seemed to suggest that there, there could be something to it. Also, just like logic. No, makes sense. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. you, like, if you if you have a vehicle that's insured for work purposes and you're using it for something other than those stated purposes i don't know i'm not a lawyer but it seems to me uh hey that's a cool podcast idea just in case this one fails ever <laughs> uh, you guys just ask random random legal questions and then try to solve them yourselves <laughs> like just like muse on legal questions like i don't know maybe let's see just, just get somebody on and say hey what about tort law what do you think yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what is can, your favorite we... tort by the way nuisance <laughs> nuisance, <laughs> like, nuisance right. man. Tort law? there's a listener who if she hears hears me joking about tort law she'll be laughing in regina uh i'm really? not gonna name her but i'm gonna tell her to listen just so that she can laugh at this part okay i actually in university i took a course in tort law when i was like flirting with the notion of becoming a lawyer i had this option 
I had a, an option to take an option and it was on tort law and I knew nothing about it. And I was like, okay, if this is interesting, then I'm destined for law school. And it was the worst thing <laughs> I took in my entire wow. university career. So I'm not, you chose the, that. you chose the more lucrative job of being yeah. a journalist. <laughs> a, a community journalist, no less. Yeah, no. <laughs> the best, the best though, Paul, the best, the best in the business. Right. A very tiny business. <laughs> No, but the to to the point of uh, the trucks that are present, it is very bizarre to me that, uh, for example, one of the sort of pro- protest organizers describe it as their uh, frontline truck. It's a load safe truck. That's the company. It's uh, I know that because literally the huge giant trailer says "load safe" across of it, <laughs> which I gather is a fairly you know, large bill business. And it, it seems to me that this guy is likely leasing uh, from the company or whatever. Um, just to say, I have no indication one way or another that load safe endorses or does not endorse the protest right. or the truckers action. But I don't know. I think it's kind of weird that there's like UPS trucks down there. Like people have clearly rented UPS what? trucks or sorry, not UPS, U-Haul trucks. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> I saw your face and I'm like, what are you making a face for? You, I guess it's interesting, but uh, no, yeah, U-Haul trucks, people have rented U-Haul trucks and they bring them down there and park them. I just think some of these companies, uh, it's surprising to me, maybe they are doing some work behind the scenes, but uh, you would think, oh boy, this is maybe not the best public relations for us. We don't want our truck uh, out here with this logo, but uh, quite a few of them are still there, so... I've been entertained. I've been watching some of, uh, so uh, Anti-Racism Canada Collective, um, Kurt Phillips' Twitter feed. Uh, he's been doing like daily updates on what's going on down there. And I've been enjoying his videos of these uh, uh, convoy protesters doing their, well, their Rick Mercer rants as they walk around the, <laughs> uh, the protest. Uh, how much it is military cosplay. They're talking about base camps. Mm-hmm. And uh, if our feeds go dark, you know that they've cut off all of the uh, internet to downtown. Right, right. Um, the government has deployed its like technical technological arsenal to, you know, cut cut them off from the world and kettle them, and I don't know, send them to re-education camps. I have no idea. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, very much so. People talking about you know secret locations and this and that. One thing though, and I think. I was ignorant of it is just like the following a lot of these sort of heroes of the right have somebody like Pat King, who's mm-hmm. just got this huge, huge social media following, which, you know, I think I, I sort of knew about it because we know this exists, but he's a celebrity figure. Like if you watch his live feeds that he does during this protest, people are coming up to him in the streets just to shake his hand or give him a hug. Like, there's this Freedom George guy who's sort of his sidekick and they are like, they roll around the city and they're kind of like celebrities with, with the amount of people coming up to them and stuff. And I think that's something that uh, I, I, yeah, it, it is something that I just wasn't aware of just like the massive celebrity amongst this crowd of people that, that yeah. some of these guys have. Yeah. Have you, have you had a chance to see Pat King in, in the flesh? <sighs> No, I really uh, want to see him though because this sounds 
kind of weird, but he reminds me of like one of my dear, dear friends, like outside of all the, like the crazy conspiracy talk, like that's kind of like how he is. He seems like a super likable guy in a way. I know that's kind of like such a terrible take to be taking, but like, I'm sure if you watch his videos, you know, it, it is tough to ignore. Like the dude's got charisma. Like he does have a certain like uh, warmness to him. It's also bizarre that he's like a white supremacist. Uh, so, you know, never thought I'd be describing a white supremacist as kind of warm, but I guess here we are, you know, yeah. but no, it's just to say like, it's, it's, he's obviously got some, some wild ideas and crazy politics that are, that are terrifying, but he's, he's found a way to communicate it in a way that is registering with a lot, a lot of people. And that's worth paying attention to, I think, because, um, I don't think he's just going to like, suddenly people are going to realize like, Oh shit, this guy is a white supremacist. I think a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, but he's so nice. He's funny. He's, he's warm. He's charismatic. Like all of these things to sort of excuse the fact that, you know, he thinks the Aryan race is superior kind of nuts to me, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so people aren't going to like be throwing out their Pat King body pillows anytime soon. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've seen how far this can take you. This like Pat King style charisma can get you to the White House in the United States. Right. And then when we look at, you know, Pierre Polyev announcing he's going to run for the Conservative Party of Canada, who, you know, Dave Baxter, who we were speaking of earlier, wisely pointed out he didn't announce that he was running for the Conservative Party of Canada. He just announced that he was running for the prime minister. He didn't point out the Conservative mm-hmm. Party at all in his video, his yeah. messaging very deliberately left out any sort of signage in that because he yeah. knows that this crowd is they're disenchanted with the Conservative Party. Um and the amount of times he said truckers in that two minute video, it's pretty clear like who he's speaking to. Um, yeah, I think like, you know, as, as a country, we've definitely shifted to the right here from, you know, the last time I spoke with you guys a few years ago, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 You are right in the thick of Canadian federal politics. So about Pierre Polyevre, he has been described as one of the most unlikable politicians in Canada at various times. Do you think he has a chance? Oh, I think he's going to win the leadership with, yeah. without any contest. Uh, I don't think it, I think it'll be pretty easy. I, I can't see anybody who can stop his path, whether it's uh, Pat Brown. Or, um, I don't think Patrick Brown has the name recognition outside of Ontario and the name recognition he has in Ontario isn't strong enough or, or in great shape. I don't think Peter McKay would come back for another run. And if he did, I don't think he could do much. Uh, Poor Peter. He wanted yeah. it so bad. Hey, hey, they had their chance. Conservatives had their chance and they blew yeah. it. You know, they could have had him. And yeah. in a way, I kind of wonder, like, geez, what would what would the state of that party look like? How do you want? I don't know. But I think he was a lot more palatable for um, moderate voters than somebody like Aaron O'Toole. Yeah. Uh, in any case, though, I, yeah, I think Polyev is going to go. Uh, he's going to walk straight into the leadership here. And I think he's got a real chance of winning because again, similar to what we were just talking about with, with Pat King, like he's very, very charismatic. He's a likable person. You know, the, the line here that I quickly learned when I started covering Ottawa was, you know, everybody loves him on spark street, you know, like where, where all the politicians go to drink after work, like everybody, everybody there likes him because he's, He's a sociable guy. He's a, he's a, he's a friendly dude. Um, 
I know quite a few of his constituents, again, hockey guys, you know, um, as constituents, they don't seem to like him. He, he doesn't, he seems like he's a fairly absentee MP for them. He's obviously got bigger priorities right now though. So, right. yeah. Do you think he, he would have better comms instincts than O'Toole had? Oh yeah. I think just like, in the, hard, I think sure. just, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think just like in the guts of it, it, uh, yeah, Pierre's got got just he's just a better communicator, I think. I think also he'll do a better job of putting people around him. Um uh, whether or not they're better people, I don't know, but I think he'll do a better job with the people that he has around him. Uh I mean it's all to be determined, but I think the thing about Pierre is that he seems to be the language that he's speaking seems to be re- re- resonating with people. You know, I have friends back in Western Canada who ask me hey who have been asking me who is this guy what's his deal um to me that's a sign when people are asking and that goes back all the way to you know the wee scandal he sort of emerged from that it seemed as this guy and um he's been as you guys know he's been an mp for a long time so he knows how ottawa works he knows a lot of people um he's got the french He's got the French, yeah, you know, and he's he's got the bona fides from, yeah. from Western Canada. He graduated high school in Calgary. I think he's a Franco Albertan, right? So, yep. um, I think there's a lot there for for him. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot there. I, I was saying tonight again, uh, drinking beers with former former SAS reporters, and that we were we were shooting the shit about this and that was one of the things we were talking about was like, he could be prime minister because he could be the guy that kind of brings together the yeah. conservative party. If he's able to sort of like hold steady onto the SoCan element of, of the party. Um, I think he can speak the language enough to bring back into the tent. Some of those moderates that are getting a little bit scared away right now. And yeah, uh, yeah that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, so we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're talking uh, Ottawa with uh, David Fraser. I was actually, I just was looking at some polling today, uh, just on the possibility of uh, Paul Everett uh, becoming prime minister. They, it's the polling that was looking at, you know, Canada-wide support for the convoy. And it's very, like, it's not strong, like 60-something percent of the country are, you know, totally opposed to the uh, well, are are opposed or totally opposed to the convoy, while only about thirty one percent are sympathetic to the message of the convoy, which tracks with about what the Conservative Party support is right now, about twenty nine percent, and that's all you friggin' need. A little north of thirty percent, and you you know if you have it well distributed, you can you can put together a government. So and that the support for the convoy. Yeah, I think it was like a leisure poll. I could be wrong. It could have been Abacus. Was I, I was stunned by how high it was. That it was in the 30s because um, it is the most un-Canadian thing I think I have seen in the mm-hmm. last few years. But there's hockey games. Did I mention there's hockey games? That's true. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's people with Canadian flags. And yeah. Ho- hockey's, hockey sticks. Yeah. So... They, in that sense, it's very Canadian, but in the that's a good you know, point, yeah, super honking and, and politeness and you know, threatening people, not Canadian at all, yeah. yeah. And, they're, and they're rolling up the rim to overthrow the government. You do see down at the, the, the protest grounds, you do see a lot of uh PPC 
signage, mm-hmm. uh, people's PPC. Like they seem to have like a, a little section. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. official or not, but there's like sort of one section kind of like by Bay street. If anybody knows Ottawa Bay and Wellington where they've, yeah. they've seemed to have more signage and a, a banner up on one of the things there and whatnot. So the PPC is like a, definitely a, a political party that has a an active presence down with the protesters as opposed to you know like the conservatives who just have a smattering of mps who are willing to go out and shake hands and take pictures with them this is kind of like if don cherry went into politics this protest <laughs> yeah uh, it is you know and yeah. like i'm sure don cherry supports this protest he's gotta be yeah. like oh, he seems yeah. like he would he would be behind it right i haven't looked at his social media but i'm sure he he is yeah that's the thing that's kind of like the most not the most disappointing about this all but it's like it's it's one of the things that's really bothersome is just how soaked in nationalism or like chauvinism Mm. a lot of these people seem to have is you know i i said to my partner uh you know like i used to be pretty proud of the canadian flag especially when i when i traveled you know like i used to i never felt ashamed of it you know even like i like you know countries has lots of sins but I never really felt ashamed of it. Um, but yeah, this week there's lots of times where I felt like kind of bad to be associated with that flag. And that's something that I just never thought would happen <laughs> to me. Uh, One thing that I've heard from uh, a friend in Ottawa who a uh, long time resident there is just on the policing. I wanted to ask you about if you know anything about the chief of police there and if he has the support of the officers, like was there a point where um, the police could have diverted this if there had been uh, a better relationship between uh, the leadership and uh, the line officers? Right. Yeah. So I won't profess to know, like, I don't have any inside scoop on what, what the boys in blue think of the chief or, or the other way around. I do know from what I was saying earlier, just sort of shooting the shit with cops that I see a lot of them do seem like they, they, uh, their politics would favor that to the protesters. A lot of them right. seem like it. Um, but you know, that said, I also know like a couple, I do know a couple officers. I know I've got a buddy who's in the PPC. Um, that's the parliamentary protective service um sorry i always like say the acronym wrong and then realize like nobody even knows what the acronym is anyway so i should just say it (laughs) Um, but uh he's in the parliamentary protective service and like they seem like they seem like they're they're against this and they they wish that they could be doing more and i keep going back to just the simple fact that I've lived in this city where other protests have taken place and I've watched the police very successfully manage crowds, divert people into certain areas of the downtown core to ensure they don't access other areas, you know, do traffic control, cordon off streets, all of this stuff. And none of that happened this time. Like none of that happened. It wasn't until a few days ago that you saw the police, at least that I saw the police like, Oh, cool. They've put up a concrete barrier on this street to prevent vehicles from going down it. They're, they've taken some of those actions now, but without doubt, they could have taken more action earlier. 
I heard the police chief say something along the lines of, you know, wanting to allow them their their right to protest and uh, not being able to be certain of where they were headed or which trucks were associated with the protest or whatever, pleading ignorance. That's total baloney to me. It was pretty clear the trucks coming down Kent Street, just a block away from me, honking their horns with Canada flags attached to them and, you know, F Trudeau signs. I think their intentions were were clear. And uh, again, we've seen, we've seen the police have no problem before dictating the terms of where people do their protesting. So the fact that they're willing to be so uh, accommodating this time, it definitely raises some flags. I don't think uh, the chief of the Ottawa police will be the chief of the Ottawa police after this, especially we have a municipal election coming up. Well, I think there's going to yeah. be a lot of a lot of changes as a result of all of this. Um, that's me just speaking as like a you know more so as a frustrated Ottawa resident, as somebody with a, you know like intimate knowledge of of city politics or anything here. I don't have any inside scoop on on the chief of police being hosted or anything, but it's yeah. just from from you know taking the temperature of my neighbors and you know my own household it, it seems like there's no way that that these that these guys can continue on in their leadership positions just given what's taken place over the last uh the last week or so here for sure yeah well uh we're just about out of time really really uh glad you could uh join us for this hour yeah, yeah. thanks guys thanks for yeah, having thanks, me really appreciate it and it's awesome to see you again. And I'm, I'm glad that things are going well in Ottawa. That's well, apart from the occupation. Good to hear you guys are doing well. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. to see you. I forgot we had to do an outro and shut the meeting down prematurely. Aiden usually does these, but I guess I will have to pinch hit for him. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR with your hosts, Aiden Morgan and Paul Deshane. Big thanks to our guest, David Fraser. You can find us online at www.queencityib.com or on Twitter at at QueenCityIB. We are not on Facebook. Music for the Queen City Improvement Bureau is by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire on Bandcamp. Coming up next on CJTR, it's the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by music all on through the night. Thanks for listening, and keep on improving, Regina. Regina.